What is up, Plugged In listeners? Happy Monday. Welcome to Plugged In. I am Pete Brown, your host. Hope that everybody's had a great Monday so far and a great weekend. I know I'm a little late getting the podcast out this week, so I apologize for that. But again, I'm kind of trying to still figure out, you know, the routine and things like that. But um, apologies again for getting it out late. Um, But hope everybody had a nice, relaxing weekend, was able to, you know, kind of take it back a little bit and just kind of chill out. Um, I was able to hang out at the house with my wife. It was the first weekend that um, we had both been in in town for the whole weekend and about three weeks. Um, We were dog sitting for one of our friends. So that was awesome. Um, Our dog and and their dog, uh, B, are are good friends and and like playing with each other. So um, nice to have a little little doggy slumber party. Um, But today I'm going to get into a lot of rumors and leaks. Uh, last week was leak week. It seemed to be in tech. Um, lots of leaks from uh, Samsung to Google to um, Apple. So kind of covering all, all the big guys um, and, you know, some pretty important leaks for some important devices. Um, so we'll definitely get into those and, and what, what are the latest rumors there. I'm um, also going to talk about some new gadgets that I've gotten mainly the Samsung Chromebook Pro and uh, the elusive NES Classic. I'll tell you a little bit about how I was finally able to get one, um, and even at their uh, $60 price tag, the original price. So I was really excited about that. Um, then I'm going to get into kind of a weekend project that I did. Um, worked a little bit with uh, the Raspberry Pi. Um, got one of those a few weeks back and started to do um, a couple different things on it, but now it's kind of got one main purpose uh, as a Plex server, and I'll dive more into that as well. So excited to get into these topics. Uh Hopefully, going to have a lot of news coming in the next few weeks. Um, starting to get into device release season. Um, you know, Galaxy Notes coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll have the Pixels and iPhones in the next month or two. Uh, so, lots of lots of fun stuff coming down the pipe. And uh, really excited to be able to talk about it. Um, feel free to leave a voicemail if you're listening within the Anchor app, um, or reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Paul Jones B or plugged in underscore tech for the show's account. Um, the show is also available on Google Play Music, Apple Podcast, or iTunes, um, Overcast app, and the Pocket Cast app, um, and obviously, again, within the Anchor app. So, uh, you know, reach out to me. Let me know where you're listening to this. Um, kind of looking at different options to potentially get this on maybe some other podcasting platforms, but those four seem to be doing pretty well so far. Um, you know, again, I've kind of mentioned it before, but I really love what Anchor's doing. Do they just they keep you know, adding new features almost on a weekly basis. Didn't take them long to get up to these four podcasting platforms. So I'm looking forward to kind of how they continue to grow that. Um, They added a feature where you can kind of have a discussion within the Anchor app. You can leave comments on different segments. So I urge anybody that's listening in the Anchor app, or if you're not listening within the Anchor app, you know, check it out and, you know, subscribe to my channel there and, and start a discussion. Like I've been mentioning with the voicemails, you can leave a voicemail. You can also now, again, kind of actually have a text comment conversation um, on the different uh, segments. So um, I would just love to hear any feedback from anybody out there listening. Um, and, and the Anchor app has, has got a lot of cool, powerful tools um, to allow you to do that. Um, so check it out. Check out some of the other stations on there. There's a lot of people doing some really cool stuff on there. Um, a lot of unique, different kind of stations. Um, so I'm going to try and post a little bit more only on Anchor. So I've got a mobile mic now, so I'm going to try and just do um, some quick segments like I did with the NES Classic last week. Um, Just kind of discuss, you know, random topics throughout the day. Just drop in and say, hey, just little things like that. So start using the app itself more, um, not only to publish as a full podcast. So uh, be be on the lookout for that. And if you do check the app out, um, subscribe to the channel in there and, uh, you you know, you'll get notified on uh, on when I post new segments and and subscribe in, in the other podcasting platforms. 
platforms and, and you get notified for new shows. So um, enough of me rambling about that. Let's get into some of the tech news and all the leaks that we had last week. It was the week of leaks, and starting off, we have the Galaxy Note 8. We've heard a lot about this one so far. Um, leaks just kind of keep on coming. We actually got kind of the first full-fledged image of it, um, and they kind of all lined up with the leaks that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so we saw fingerprint sensor on the back, kind of in that unfortunate position, similar to on the Galaxy S8, um, kind of like right next to the camera, which a lot of people kind of complained about. And, you know, again, I, I haven't used a, an S8 personally um but it's right next to the camera lens so it's really easy to just put your finger right on top of the camera lens and then go to take a picture and not realize oh my lens is smudgy from my finger um so it's kind of a lot of constant cleaning it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense but um you know that that placement kind of came as a result of not being able to embed the fingerprint sensor in the front of the screen um you know all the manufacturers are kind of trying to want to do that but not quite ready yet so they're having to kind of come up with other solutions and Samsung went with the the one right next to the camera sensor, and it's going to live on in the Galaxy Note 8, um, but it is next to their uh, dual 12-megapixel cameras, which we've seen uh, in previous leaks and previous rumors. Uh, so everything else kind of lined up. Um, it has uh, USB-C, has the edge-to-edge -edge infinity display. Um, so really excited, you know, again, for this device. Kind of talked about it for a few shows in a row now because um, it's getting closer and closer to time. Um, that launch is still scheduled for August 23rd. Uh, Samsung sent out invitations, uh, I believe about, about a week back, maybe two weeks back. Um, so getting about time to, to actually see the device. And, and as is always the case, um, leaks get more and more, uh, more and more often. So um, that's, that's kind of what we've seen from uh, the Galaxy Note 8. It was uh, really just the first image that we've seen of it. Um, but Looking forward to seeing what the device really looks like when it comes out again on August 23rd. Um, weirdly enough, we're already kind of starting to hear rumors about the Galaxy Note 9. Um, and the main rumor is kind of what I mentioned earlier about um, Samsung kind of wanting to get the fingerprint sensor embedded in the display with this generation of uh, Galaxy S and Galaxy Note phones. Um, that's the rumor for the Galaxy Note 9 uh, next year. So expecting to see that, you know, companies like Qualcomm have, have shown off the technology um, and, and plan to uh, kind of have that ready for manufacturers late this year, early next year. So I, I'd imagine that we'll see that in a lot of flagship devices next year. Uh, you know, Samsung historically has always used the Note line to kind of um, test out new features. And, and new um, hardware on, on that device. You know, that was the, the obviously the S Pen. Um, while they haven't carried that to, to the other uh, Galaxy S devices, um, they've definitely used that in, in some of their tablets and, and Chromebooks. But uh, that was obviously first on the Galaxy Note. Um, and other things like USB-C and, and the edge-to-edge uh, -edge infinity display, that type of thing, they typically do on the Note first, and then it will follow um, in the Galaxy S line the next year, usually the next spring. So I'm uh, expecting to see that in the Galaxy Note 9 next year, and, and that just leads me to believe, you know, running down that rumor mill a year and a half in advance, uh, that, the, that the Galaxy S, shoot, I guess it'd be Galaxy S10, um, unless they decide to change the name. Um, I guess that one would have an embedded fingerprint sensor as well. I'm calling it now. So you heard it here first, Galaxy S10 embedded fingerprint sensor in the display. So um, just, uh, you know, kind of a wrap up on those rumors from Samsung, but um, really the one we're looking forward to is the Galaxy Note 8. 
which is actually going to be released in a couple of weeks, again, August 23rd. So I'll have some updates uh, around the time when that device hits, um, when, when it actually comes to be. So um, that's going to wrap it up for the Samsung rumors um, around the Galaxy Note 8. Keeping with the theme of leaks, we had more images and more leaks regarding the next Google Pixel, um, calling it the Google Pixel 2, as every kind, everyone kind of is. Um, so this one was kind of centered around the smaller Google Pixel, not the Pixel XL. We've seen a lot of um, kind of images and, and, and rumors about that device, um, and it's looking to be a pretty pretty stacked uh, phone and, and definitely the one that I'm planning on picking up once uh, these become, become legit and get released. Um, but the Pixel 2, again, the smaller one, it looks a lot like the original Pixel, um, and people kind of said that a little bit about the Pixel XL leaks, but um, that that edge-to-edge display on the front kind of helped a little bit in, in making it look more modern and and not quite as as you know did, didn't have that chin like the, the older older models had. Um, but the smaller Pixel, it seems, is going to kind of keep that chin. Um, it'll have a little bit slimmer bezels on the side. It doesn't have the same edge-to-edge display as uh, as its larger um, XL counterpart, but um, it's kind of kind of weird to see Google not put the edge to edge display on the smaller one. It, it, you know, last year the Pixels were pretty much identical devices, and um, this year to see them differentiate a little bit. I understand, you know, the smaller one is, you know, they're kind of maybe targeting a different market or targeting a different buyer. But um, I I just really like when they keep the models the same, and the only difference is kind of the size. Um, I think having somewhat of an edge-to-edge display on the smaller pixel and you know the way that we think it's going to be on the pixel xl um, if it were on that smaller pixel it would just you know give it that more modern feel um it's kind of where you know the way that all of the other manufacturers have gone so to to put out a phone like we think they will with the smaller pixel um that has such a, a large bezel on on the top and bottom it, it's you know to be honest it's a little bit disappointing and, and you know I've, I've definitely been called a a google fanboy but um i'm, I'm not not shy to call them out on uh, on some things like this so I, I think it's kind of lazy um to not just you know carry that edge to edge display onto the smaller device so uh, a little bit disappointed in that we'll see i guess you know there's a little bit of time left but um pretty much any any kind of actual image you know this was an actual device leak image that came out so um it's going to be kind of difficult to change things up like that um other things that we saw in this leak it is going to have a 1080p display which might have something to do with that edge-to-edge display you know i doubt there are manufacturers even making edge-to-edge 1080p displays so if they're wanting to save on a little bit of cost um that's a kind of a good way to do it and and would make a little bit of sense but you know again still a little bit disappointing it uh it did confirm that the headphone jack will be gone um as as has kind of been the rumors with the pixel xl2 um same as is with the smaller uh pixel um so gonna have no headphone jack which you know i've kind of mentioned a little bit before a lot of people are probably gonna be disappointed about but to me not really that big of a deal i you know use bluetooth for pretty much everything or some sort of wireless i have a lot of chromecast so not many times am I plugging um, headphones into my my phone anyway. Um, my car, Bluetooth, um, and I'm, you know I'm not an audiophile, so having the best sound quality may not be my highest priority. Um, convenience and and kind of being wireless is is a little bit more important to me. So um, for some people that may not be the case, they may be looking for that that audio and, and be a little bit disappointed that they're probably going to have to you know have some sort of a dongle to go from USB-C to, to their headphones or something like that but um, it's just kind of the way of the world uh, a lot of manufacturers again it's kind of the trend but 
you know, if you're going to take something like that away, I kind of expect them to give me something. And what I expect that to be is waterproofing. Um, removing this port makes it that much easier to waterproof the device. And if, if they don't do that on these phones, I think that's a huge miss. Um, you know, pretty much any flagship, you know, if you're paying eight, $900 for a phone, you expect it to be waterproof these days. Um, Samsung, Apple, other manufacturers have proven that it's not as difficult as it was four to five years ago. It's a lot easier to, to seal these ports up and, you know, the less amount of ports you have, easier it is. So, um, really hoping and, and all rumors suggest that that's going to be the case, that these phones are waterproof. Um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, it'd be my first waterproof phone. So that'd be pretty cool. Um, Another thing that uh, the rumors kind of confirmed is dual front-facing speakers, which is a big deal. Those speakers, um, it, it just makes the audio that much better. So really excited about that. Um, and the fingerprint sensor is still kind of below that glass panel on the back, the glass panel housing the camera and uh, some of the sensors and everything. Um, so that's kind of wrapping up what the rumors for the Pixel, uh, new Pixel 2 um, were. And uh, also the current Pixel and Pixel XL, those prices have dropped about $200. So you know we're getting closer to release time when they start to drop the prices of the current phones. Um, so I'm really excited to get these um, Pixel devices and for the announcement coming up probably right towards the beginning of October. So probably the biggest leak of the week um, came from Apple, surprisingly. Uh, their HomePod, which is you know their uh, in-home smart assistant speaker, uh, is scheduled to come out in the coming months. Its firmware leaked online and revealed a lot about maybe some of their upcoming products and some of the things that were found in the, the code of the firmware and some of the different references and things like that. Um, a lot of different uh, developers were had got their hands on it and were starting to kind of dig in and look through uh, this, this firmware that leaked. And uh, again, able to kind of find a lot of things. One of the first things that they were, they were able to see um, was the reference that was kind of a silhouette icon type thing of the iPhone eight. Um, it confirmed that, you know, the front, you know, in, in the image, there was no home button or anything. It was obviously just a, a device with, with a screen um, and a slight indention on the top where, where the earpiece speaker might be. So um, kind of confirmed that they're removing the home button, um, at least the physical home button from the front. Um, a lot of rumors about what they're going to do to replace that, whether it be with uh, with with some type of optical recognition or something like that. Um, I'm kind of interested to see how that goes because, you know, they use the touch ID uh, fingerprint sensor for things like, uh, you know, payments and, and different kind of authentication and things like that. So if, if certain companies and third parties and, and even Apple themselves aren't even aren't comfortable enough to say that their facial recognition and, and optical recognition is good enough to make those kind of authentications, then, you know, what's the replacement? Are people going back to having to type their, their Apple ID password in all the time or, or, or what are they going to do? So I'm um, kind of interested to see that. There's been some rumors that maybe they'll put the, the home button on the back as kind of a, a last minute um, resort since they couldn't embed the fingerprint sensor in, into the screen. Um, I, don't, I don't really see Apple doing that. It just doesn't kind of go with their aesthetics. Um, so again, we'll see what they do. Um, but a lot of rumors kind of point to them just going to a virtual home button and using, uh, again, facial recognition, optical recognition, something like that. Um, in its place. So it kind of revealed that there will be no home button. It will just be that edge to edge display for the iPhone eight. Um, as rumors have kind of previously pointed to, um, having that OLED uh, screen. So imagine that it is going to be a very pretty device and, and also pretty expensive. Um, so rumors are going to keep kind of coming out about that, but that was just the kind of the 
one of the big things that this uh, firmware leak um, hinted at. Um, another thing was that there's going to be a 4K HDR Apple TV coming out at some point, um, potentially later this year, maybe next year. Um, it didn't really, you know, obviously didn't give it a date, but it was just uh, kind of referenced in there. So at some point, there is going to be a 4K t uh, Apple TV available. Um, I don't know if they're going to kind of finally change up the look of it. It's kind of been the same for the last three or four iterations. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, what they do with that. But a uh, good thing for Apple TV users out there who are looking to, uh, you know, continue using the, the, that type of product with, with their 4K TVs. Um, and the last thing that this uh, this firmware leak um, hinted at and, and kind of, you know, maybe gave away, um, it had a reference to Gizmo, which is Apple's code name for the Apple Watch. Um, and it made different references to supporting an LTE SIM card, um, which is kind of the logical next step. It, it's not the most shocking thing, um, but it, do, it is kind of somewhat of confirmation that, that that's coming potentially in the next version of the Apple Watch. Um, I personally am not a big fan of putting SIM cards in, in, a, uh, in, in a smartwatch. Um, I, I wear the Android uh, Android Wear watch, Huawei watch, um, and obviously no SIM card. I've had it for about two years, and I really enjoy it. Um, I think the issue with putting a SIM card in these watches is that their batteries, they're currently not really ready for that. If you put a SIM card in, in any of these smart watches, you know, you're barely getting a day's use as it is, you know, maybe a day and a half if you, if you're light on it. But if you put a SIM card in there and it's just constantly reaching out for that LTE signal, that's just going to drain the battery. We saw the same thing with smartphones when they first were using LTE radios. You know, you look back to the HTC Evo, it was kind of the first LTE um, Android phone and its battery life was terrible. Terrible. People had to kind of manually toggle for or LTE on and off. Um, it was just it was just really bad. And smartwatches are kind of in that same place right now. Not to mention, you don't want to get another data plan for just your smartwatch. Um, I understand the use cases for exercising and things like that, but it kind of seems like a drastic measure to fit more of a niche audience. Although people exercising are probably some of the main people that are using um, these smartwatches. So. Um, I don't really know um, if it's going to be something that lasts down the road, but you know, Apple's going to do it for their next uh, their next Apple Watch because that's what people expect, and I'm sure a lot of their users are wanting that, um, or at least they think they want it. So that's again the leak from the Apple HomePod firmware. Lots of good stuff in there that uh, kind of forecast Apple's future in the next year or so. Just want to take a quick second to discuss a little bit more about the um, whole issue of LTE SIM cards going into smartwatches. Um, again, I'm not a really big fan of this. I think that the battery technology in smartwatches and the features of smartwatches don't really require a SIM card at this point. Um, I think that the only reason a SIM card should be in a smartwatch is if the smartwatch is being used as kind of your individual, um, say, hub. Uh, so, you know, you would have a smartwatch or a SIM card in your smartwatch that has your phone number tied to it, and then you would it would be more of a hotspot. You connect your cell phone, tablet, other devices to that, and it delivers the data to the different devices. I think that would be kind of cool. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, I don't think carriers would really like that. It would kind of consolidate the data. They would have to completely restructure their data plans. Um, but I think for the user, that would be a really cool way to handle that. Um, and it would potentially maybe get smartwatches off the ground. But, you know, again, that would kind of require that everybody would have a smartwatch. And we're definitely not at that point yet. Um, so that's really kind of my dream for having a SIM card and a smartwatch. Um, I don't think that it's fully necessary to have them in these smartwatches that we have as of today, where you need an extra data plan. Your smartwatch doesn't last near as long as it would without the SIM card, which it's already kind of struggling as is. So again, I kind of think the battery life is 
really the thing that's hindering um, SIM cards and a smartwatch to actually take off. Um, you know, battery life's hindering a lot of different kind of innovation with smartphones and things, but um, specifically with, with smartwatches. Um, but that's just kind of a quick explainer, um, kind of a little, little bit of a rant, but um, I guess not really an angry one. Um, but, you know, putting SIM cards and having different data plans, it, I'm just not really a fan of it. I think I think we should kind of be consolidating that and, and be able to you know share our devices or share our data between our devices. Um, and kind of goes hand in hand with my opinion of putting LTE in in a car. Uh, so that's the discussion for another day. But really, just kind of grinds my gears. Uh, so that was just a quick uh, you know for Pete's sake rant, I guess. Um, I kind of mentioned I may be doing a segment like that. So you know maybe that'll be the first one. Um, but just kind of just kind of one of those things that that really gets on my nerves. So that's all for the tech leaks last week. Um, again, just kind of a plethora of leaks from all different directions, Android, Apple, um, kind of just getting a little bit of everything. Um, but next, I'm going to talk about a couple of gadgets that I've gotten recently um, and a little project I've worked on, just you know, weekend project at home uh, with a Raspberry Pi. Um, starting off, uh, I recently got a Samsung Chromebook Pro. Um, it's kind of an early birthday present from my wife, and uh, I'm really loving this thing. It is my first uh, Chromebook, and, and it's it's been great so far. I've only had it for a few days, but been able to really put it through its paces uh, this weekend. And I really found that I can do just about everything that I need to do on my MacBook uh, on this Chromebook. Uh, so just if you're not familiar with the Chromebook Pro, um, it is obviously runs on Chrome OS. Um, it is a Samsung device. They came out with two Chromebooks this year, the Samsung, the Chromebook Plus and the Chromebook Pro. The only difference is the processor that runs on them. The uh, Plus model has an ARM-based uh, processor, and the Pro model has an Intel uh, M3 processor. Um, so it's definitely a little bit more powerful and, and kind of handles multitasking a lot better. Um, at least that's kind of what the reviews say. I haven't been able to see both of them in person, but my experience with the Pro has been very good so far. Um, I haven't really had any kind of hiccups that's been able to handle pretty much everything I've thrown at it. So it's got a 12.3 inch display. It kind of has a two by three aspect ratio, which is really common on tablets and things like that. But um, this also is a fully reversible device. So the screen can reverse uh, 180 degrees on a hinge and kind of go into tablet mode. Um, and, and I really like that feature. Uh, that was that was definitely something um, that I was looking for. And um, having that three by two aspect ratio helps in that mode specifically. Um, since it is a Samsung device, it kind of comes with some Samsung features such as the S Pen, um, which I really enjoy. It kind of lives in the side of the device and you pop it out and it has a, a menu for different um, options with the pen, similar to how it would be on a Galaxy Note device. Um, and it's really easy to t take screenshots and markups and things like that or, or you know, write a quick note, a lot of things like that. The, the latency on the screen, um, it, you know, a lot of apps aren't really optimized for a pen, so you kind of got to find the right one. Um, the latency seems pretty good, though. There's not a lot of lag when you know writing or drawing or anything like that. So I really enjoyed that. The pen was was one of the main things that led me to get this device over, say, something like the Asus Chromebook Flip, um, which is very similar, but doesn't have have that pen. Um, so I've, again, really been enjoying this as my first Chrome OS device. And like I said, I've been able to do pretty much everything that I needed to do on this device. My MacBook has basically stayed in my office, and I've, I've really, you know, web browsing um, this device and, and most recent Chromebooks, they are able to run um, Android apps. So I have, you know, the Android app store and I've downloaded a bunch of different apps so far and haven't really had a lot of issues. There's, there's still some 
issues resizing windows. Um, you basically you can you know you can maximize it and it'll fill the screen and kind of go into that tablet mode, um, or you minimize it and it'll it stays kind of in that mobile phone type mode. So there's not really an in between at this time. So that's something they're still working on, but it is uh, it's, it's still technically a beta feature. Um, but that that was kind of the main thing that made me decide that now was the time for me to get a Chromebook. I'd kind of been looking at it for a few years. It's kind of a secondary computer, but now with the ability to run Android apps and and with you know with how deep I'm kind of ingrained in Google services and things like that, I really wanted to, to get one and and really glad I was able to get one. Um, you know, again, my wife got it for me for my birthday, um, which is coming up this week. So. I was really excited to, to to get to play around with it finally, and and uh, this Chromebook Pro is, is definitely one of the better ones that has come out um, this year or or, or ever. Um, so very excited about it. It's been uh, been a fun fun machine to play with. Um, I basically again leave my MacBook in my office. I can take the Chromebook with me in bed, and and when I'm just kind of lounging and doing things like that, when I'm typically just kind of web browsing. The, the main things that I've found that I can't do. Um, I, I do a lot of uh, things kind of web design uh, so i can't really it can't handle applications like adobe photoshop at least in full form there are android alternatives but not in full form um, and uh, i use another program called Axure um, for a different web design uh, mock-ups and things like that i definitely couldn't handle that and uh, can't really handle you know development things like that can't run visual studio um, so intense processes like that video editing audio editing um, i'm going to try to do some audio stuff with the um, anchor mobile app on there i have it downloaded so i'm going to see how it handles recording through there but again you don't buy a chromebook so that you can do that type of you know hardcore development or anything like that so um, i've been very pleased with it and uh, i'm really looking forward to continuing using it and, and seeing what all i can do and and as chrome os grows and and the support for android apps grows um it just it really gets me excited it's a really cool really cool platform so um that's kind of my experience with the chromebook pro so far another gadget that i recently got that i am really excited about um is the nes classic uh that is the device that came out last year um last late summer fall um by nintendo that was preloaded with 30 uh nes classic games um it looked exactly like the original device just smaller and it immediately became kind of a hot item to get and stores were sold out really difficult thing to get um you know into the holiday season and then nintendo stopped actually making them at the beginning of this year 2017 um so they were even harder to get and the only place you could really find them is places like ebay for kind of a big markup price you know 200 plus dollars for what was originally 60 bucks um so i was kind of bummed that i didn't get it the first time around and i wasn't going to pay 200 plus dollars for one uh so Two weeks ago, um, there was a company, I forget the name, it was one of GameStop's uh, subsidiaries. They were selling them, but instead of just selling them for $60, they were had different bundles, which they were basically just trying to get rid of different things that they had that weren't selling. They had different, like, you know, Nintendo, Mario stuffed animals and things like that. And the cheapest bundle was like $120, so still double the original price. So I wasn't doing that. So last weekend, Amazon had this thing called the treasure truck, which I'd never heard of before, but they had these trucks that originally those one in, uh, in Seattle that only had, uh, you know, a couple items this time they had it in five different cities. Um, Atlanta was one of those cities and the item they were selling was the NES classic for its original $60 price tag. So I saw that early Saturday morning. It was pumped. Um, I have some buddies in Atlanta. I hit up one of my buddies, um, Jonathan Rogers, who was on his way back into Atlanta. He was able, once I figured out exactly where it was, I was able to kind of give him the address. He was able to go get one. He, once he realized what it was, he got one himself. 
And so kind of a win-win worked out really well. I was super excited to get one for the original $60 price tag. Um, I spoke about this a little bit, um, but I only posted it on my anchor channel. I didn't post, um, you know, didn't make a podcast about it. I just did a quick segment about um, being able to get, finally get one. Um, it's, it's kind of been an, an elusive product um, unless you were willing to pay $200, $250 for one on eBay or some other aftermarket um, area. So Again, just really excited. And this was kind of coming off the heels of the uh, SNES Classic fiasco that I spoke about in my last episode, um, where I pre-ordered and many other people pre-ordered the SNES Classic on um, on Walmart.com. And then kind of turns out that they didn't mean to put the site up that early and all those pre-orders got canceled. Um, so was definitely excited to, to be able to get the NES Classic now and kind of make up for, for me not being able to get it last year. And, and I kind of want to be able to collect these and having the NES, you know, complete my collection moving forward. Once I'm able to get the SNES when it's available um, in September, I believe September, September 29th. Um, so again, was just really excited to get this, uh, get this device. It's been really fun to play with. I've, I've played um, some, obviously kind of started off with Mario. Um, that was the game that I played the most as a kid. The NES was the first console I ever had, but I was very little. Um, and now that I'm playing these games, I realize they're a little bit harder than I remember, which leads me to believe I, uh, you know, probably did probably was just playing the same levels over and over again as a little kid and didn't really realize it. So I'm excited to actually be able to play these games in full. Um, there's a bunch of games on there that I didn't play as a kid, you know, even things like Mario 2 and Mario 3, I, I hadn't really ever gotten a, a good chance to play. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of those Tecmo Bowl, um, just, just some really fun games um, that, that take you back a little bit, even just kind of holding the controller. It's, it's such a basic controller, just A, B and, and a four directional D-pad. Um, so it's been really cool just, just kind of, you know, getting that nostalgia going. Um, so really excited to be able to get one and, and really pumped for the SNES classic coming out uh, in a little bit over a month. Um, so those pre-orders should legitimately be going up. I think I read an article towards the end of August. Um, so I'm going to be on the lookout for that and I'll be sure to tweet it out um, once I see it. But uh, if, if any of you guys have the NES classic out there or looking to get the SNES classic, let me know kind of your story about getting it. Um, Cause it seems like most people that get them um, there to have them didn't really get them just by going on amazon.com and buying them. It was definitely a difficult thing. Um, so interested to see kind of, kind of everybody else's, uh, NES classic war stories. Um, but again, just kind of a, a new toy and, uh, really excited to get the elusive NES classic. The last thing that I'm going to talk about today is kind of a weekend project that I've been working on. Um, started it again, I think it was last weekend, um, using the Raspberry Pi three. Um, I got the, the Raspberry Pi, about a month ago, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, but initially just kind of installed, you know, Raspbian OS, their Linux um, OS, and was kind of playing around with it, looking at different things that I could do with it, was initially just looking at making it um, kind of a media player and, and using the my existing uh, NAS drive, which has three terabytes and kind of has all my media on it. Um, but then, you know, I read about making it a Plex server. And I've been using Plex for a while, but just kind of using different friends, shared libraries and shared Plex servers. Um, so I really started looking into making my own. I kind of got the server itself set up on uh, my, my uh, Raspberry Pi. It wasn't that difficult. There's some really easy guides online. It was a few lines um, to type into the command prompt um, that you, know, you basically just copy into there. So not very difficult. Kind of downloads all the libraries that you need and gets the server set up. 
Um, and from there, it's just a matter of kind of adding your files. And, and since the Raspberry Pi doesn't have, you know, a big hard drive, it all kind of runs off an SD card. Um, you know, it's a matter of having some sort of external storage. So I got a four terabyte um, Western Digital uh, external hard drive, and I kind of had to format it and, and get some of those things worked out, which that was something I kind of figured out on the fly originally, um, formatted it on my Mac so that it would kind of be more universal. And I formatted into XFAT. Then I discovered that, um, the Raspberry Pi did not natively support XFAT. So I had to get some just drivers again, kind of quick commands into the command prompt, get the drivers to support it. And I was kind of good to go. Um, got all of my media copied onto the, uh, four terabyte external hard drive. And if you've ever used Plex before or set up a library, the files have to be kind of named in a, not necessarily a specific way, but in a way that, you know, kind of has the right structure in terms of, um, say, if it's, if it's a TV show, has, you know, the show title as kind of the parent folder. And then um, in the, the actual show names and things has a, a, which season it is, just season number and episode number so that it can sort things. And, um, you know, the magic of Plex is that once you have the things named right, it will get all the other relevant data, um, you know, kind of the metadata. So the, sh- the full show title, show information, movie title, movie information, year, all that kind of stuff. It'll even play, you know, I have some some uh, seasons of the Big Bang Theory on there. And so when I go into the Big Bang Theory, it'll begin to play that theme song. Um, and for other movies, it may show like a trailer or things like that. But um, it's just, it really kind of gives you a full media experience um, for your own personal media. I, I even have some, like some home videos on there. Um, just a lot of different stuff. And um, Plex just really organizes it in a great way. And it gives you all the information and makes it feel like it's it's a Netflix or some, some sort of service like that, but, but with your own personal files. And so, um, I've, I've always really liked Plex and I'm really glad to have kind of my own Plex server rather than, um, just kind of using my buddies, uh, my buddy Kaysen actually, um, has a, has a really robust Plex server that I love to use and, um, has a lot of stuff. So now I'm going to kind of try to build my own out. I only have, uh, you know, four terabytes of space, but that should last me for a little bit. Um, since I'm not going to be just kind of putting everything on there. Um, but that was just kind of a weekend project that, that I did last week, uh, the Raspberry Pi, is, it's a really fun device. There's so many different things you can do on it. I mentioned that it kind of runs off an SD card. So, you know, you can kind of have different OSs and different uses for different o- uh, SD cards. So I have, you know, my main SD card with the uh, Linux, uh, Raspbian Linux distribution on it um, that has my Plex server and all that. And then I have another um, smaller SD card. I think it's about a 32 gig SD card that I uh, have a game emulator OS installed on it. So there are different um, game libraries you can get. So emulate, you know, NES, kind of like I discussed with the NES Classic, you can kind of do that same thing with these emulators, just not quite as clean and, and, and put together. Um, so they have things for not only the NES, SNES, even like PlayStation 1, Game Boy, um, all kinds of emulators. There's an N64 one that I tried out, but it was a little jittery, didn't really run very clean. So uh, I'm going to try a different emulator out and, and see if I get better r- results. But um, if, for anybody out there that's kind of a D- DIY or just likes, you know, kind of weekend projects for things like that, the Raspberry Pi is a really, really good option. Um, I, I got one off of Amazon. It was uh, called the Canna Kit. Um, and it was about 70 bucks, but it came with uh, HDMI cable, a case, heat sinks, um, an SD card, all things like that that you would need. Um, so it was a really good uh, package and uh, just a really good device to get if, if you want to tinker around and, and kind of have fun and, and just do different kind of projects like that.
That is going to do it for this week's episode of Plugged In. Hope that you guys enjoyed those topics. Uh, there wasn't, you know, any huge news this week, but you know, kind of a little bit from all the major players. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed, you know, me talking about some of the kind of a gadget corner of my own, um, some of the things that I've gotten recently, and some of the projects that I'm working on. Um, so. I'd love to know what you think. Please feel free to give me your feedback. You know, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Paul Jones B or at plugged in underscore tech uh, for the show's account. Um, so feel free to reach out to me on there with any kind of feedback or suggestions. Um, if you're listening within the Anchor app, feel free again to leave a voicemail. Um, I'd be happy to feature that in the channel, in the show, um, in the next episode and, and, you know, kind of post a response if you have a question or any kind of feedback and um, just kind of, you know, keep the conversation going, whatever kind of topics I'm talking about. If you're listening, you must be a little bit interested in those. So um, let's talk about it a little bit more, you know, again, hit me up wherever. I know that this show is a little bit later than normal. Um, I say normal relatively, but tend to kind of post them on the weekend. Um, I apologize for that. I'm still trying to get into that regular routine. Um, and I'm hoping to get to the point where I'm doing more than one a week. I don't like just posting once on the weekends with a full update. I'd rather do at least twice a week um, to kind of, you know, get a little bit more news in there and talk about some other topics that I'm, uh, that I've kind of been interested in that sometimes I don't really feel like I have, um, enough time to squeeze those in. So, um, I apologize that it's a little bit late, but, um, still kind of figuring out how I'm, how I'm going to do this moving forward. I've also been writing a little bit more now. Um, currently just kind of putting different things on medium. Um, so if you follow me on Twitter, be on the lookout for those links and uh, be sure to, you know, check out the articles I'm writing and, get feedback as you see fit. Um, I'm hoping at some point to get some sort of a website up, just something with Squarespace or WordPress, something basic like that, but um, somewhere I can kind of house, you know, the podcast and different writing articles and things like that. So um, I'll be be sure to keep you guys updated. But um, again, if you follow me on Twitter, look out for different updates on that because um, I kind of update there more frequently. Um, but that's just kind of some of the stuff that I'm working on. Um, I hope that, again, you enjoyed these different segments. I've gotten a couple of different suggestions, um, one particularly from uh, one of my wife's co-workers that I might be trying out in the next coming, the next couple episodes. Um, so just be on the lookout for some different types of segments and, and you know, I'm going to try and mix it up from just kind of delivering just, you know, different news and things like that. So going to kind of try and have a little bit more fun with it and mix it up. Um, but again, just be on the lookout for that. Uh, but that's going to really do it for today. Thank you all for listening. Um, I really do appreciate any of the listeners out there. There may not be a whole lot of you, but the ones that are listening, if you're listening to this point and you're hearing this at the end, then really thank you. Um, even if there's just one or two people out there listening, I'm going to keep doing this because I enjoy it. I'm going to talk about the news regardless. So why not record it and see what other people have to say about it? Um, so again, I hope you guys have a great Monday. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Be on the lookout on my Twitter for new updates and episodes and things like that. So um, hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday um, and I will talk to you in the next one. Stay tuned in and stay plugged in. Peace.